I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News and host of the weekly Church News podcast, welcoming you to a special KSL News Radio General Conference documentary highlighting the historic five-year ministry of President Russell M. Nelson of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. President Russell M. Nelson was sustained and set apart as the 17th president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on Sunday, January 14, 2018. Today, we are joined by Gloria Erian, Laurie Marsh, and Russell Nelson, Jr., three of President Nelson's 10 children, to talk about President Nelson's leadership and offer a glimpse into his role as a father, husband, and teacher. I'm wondering if we can just start and have each of you share one quality that you think of when you think of President Russell M. Nelson. As a father, he's very loving. And, well, as the prophet, too, you've seen just very Christ-like love for everyone. Another word I think of is discipline. He's very disciplined, and that, by no coincidence, is tied to the word disciple. Those are words that I think describe him well. And for me, I think of my dad as a very optimistic person. Nothing's ever too hard. Just have faith in the Lord. Do your best, and everything's going to be okay. I often think of the Doctrine and Covenants, section 636, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not, and that is my dad. One quality I always think of about our dad is active. He always is going and doing things, whether we're freshly landed on a from an airplane and rather than sit in the hotel room or sit, he likes to go out and walk or do the dishes after a meal or what have you. So always active, always doing something, always engaged. I want to talk about President Nelson before he was a church leader. He would have worked very, very long hours in his career as a surgeon. What was it like when he came home? In my remembrance, I think Daddy kind of had a routine. He'd come in the door, and the first thing he would do was look for and find and greet my mother. That was always number one. Number two, he would look around to turn off any electrics that were extra, you know, like the TV or more lights than he felt should be on. (laughs) And then number three, we normally would wait for daddy to have dinner together as a family. And quite often he had callings and stuff that would take him out of the home after dinner, but sometimes he was home. And the thing about daddy with this routine is when he was home, he was home. I don't remember him watching TV. I do remember him changing diapers and reading books and helping us with homework and When he was home, it was time for the family. Now, I heard your father once describe your home growing up. He said it it was like a women's dormitory. It was definitely like a sorority, for sure. It really was. (laughs) We always had fun. Um, Sometimes it was keeping Daddy from sleeping when we were younger, jumping from bed to bed. We had 
one bedroom that had five kids sleeping in it, and it was right directly under their bedroom. And we were jumping from bed to bed. I mean, you can imagine. We always had so much fun, and he would come down and try to get us to go to sleep. People's lives depend on me getting sleep, kids. And so anyway, he tried, but we did. We always loved to be together, still do. It was a great experience. Really, I can honestly say to this day, my best friends are my sister Sam, my brother. And our and baby, baby brother. There was always somebody to talk to, somebody to play with, play dolls with, or talk about problems or whatever. And we just loved sharing experiences with each other. And it was one of the biggest blessings of my life. Yeah. And you have nine girls. Then Russ comes along. I once saw Russ's birth announcement. It had a picture of nine girls on the front and said, boy, oh boy, it's a boy. (laughs) And, you know, I've also heard your father joke that, you know, you were probably three before you knew who your mother was because there was just so much love and affection in that home. Ten mothers. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's there's no question I was well mothered. (laughs) (laughs) Share a little more about what your father taught you about women and being raised in this home with so many women. One of the main things that was taught, and it wasn't so much deliberately or explicitly expressed in this way, but again, it was mostly by example of how a mother and a father work together and a husband and a wife work together in a family. That just like... You know, because he's very medical, having gone through all of his years of training and surgery and and his career and profession, just like a a heart and a brain work together to keep your body going. That's how I felt like our mom and dad ran our home. They each had their specific roles, but one couldn't operate properly without the other. There was no question he was the head of the home, but there was... Also, no question that our mom was the heart of the home. Russ, you have a huge opportunity to carry your father's name, which also sometimes may feel heavy. Can you share with us about what it's like to be Russell Marion Nelson Jr.? I've always said it it keeps me good. (laughs) He wrote a letter to me right after I was born. And in that letter, he committed that he wouldn't do anything to besmirch our name. He committed it. So, I mean, that leaves a lot of, I guess, a lot of weight. It could perceive a lot of weight on my shoulders because how's he going to besmirch our name? I think if there's any dirtying up of the name to happen, it's going to be on my shoulders. But no, it's been an honor I kind of joke around that it's kept me good, but I think it really has because I don't want to do anything to take away from who he is and what he's done. But I wouldn't say that it's an overwhelming thought that's always at the forefront of my mind. It's just part of who I am and and the way I was raised. But it really has been a big blessing for sure. For other detailed interviews with leaders and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, subscribe to The Church News Podcast. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. 
started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News and host of The Church News Podcast. Excited to celebrate with you on this General Conference weekend, President Nelson's historic five-year ministry. And I never hear him use words like must or should. It's something that I've paid a lot of attention to because we write his quotes in The Church News. You just don't hear him say that. You must do this. Instead, he seems to invite us as members of the Lord's Church to follow the commandments and then claim all the blessings that we can get from that. What was discipline like in your home growing up? I just think the way he's leading the church is exactly an example of the way we were raised. I feel like there was a high level of love in our home. And there was a high expectation that we would be an eternal family and we were going to be working together to see how we could get that goal accomplished. And I think the other thing is we've talked about the consistency of my dad and my parents consistently had family prayer. They consistently had family home evening. They consistently had family scripture reading. We were invited with all their love to come and participate in that. But none of us were ever forced to come. Everyone would still get together, and we knew that. And if you chose not to come, you'd be missing out on a really great opportunity to be together and do something neat and to help make this goal of being an eternal family happen. So really, by and large, we all came all the time. Occasionally, you had to miss. You know, you were sick or, you know, didn't hear your alarm or whatever. But really, we chose to come. And I don't know what their secret was that made it look so awesome to participate but we just out of love and not wanting to be left out we (laughs) we participated i think one of the things that both of them and especially our dad was really good at is teaching us why we do things less about the how and more about the why and so obedience or adherence to rules, laws, whatever, came with that understanding of why we were doing it. And so I know for myself that I didn't want to break the rules because I didn't want to disappoint them. And so, yeah, he had a really good way of making very mundane and plain things feel like it was great to do and great to do together. And I want to talk about, you know, you had this very tight-knit family that enjoyed being together and cherished the connections you had with each other. And as later in life, your father lost both your mother and then two of his daughters to cancer. 
Can you talk a little bit about those times when the focus of your family had to be eternal? I remember the night when our mom passed away. Of course, we were all in tears and trying to deal with that. And as the evening was winding down, it was time for us to go and go back to our homes. And I just kind of said, what do you what do you want us to do now? Asking from a point of how can we help you? What can we do for you? And he just said, just go home and be with your your children. And love them and teach them. And so that right there was, to me, a, a good window into the eternities of how we just keep going. And it was a nice reinforcement of, you know, don't worry about him. He's going to be fine. What we need to do is focus on our little ones and continue to teach them and and bring them up. I remember him coming over. We would have him over for a meal or something after mother had passed away. Russell said they each had their roles and cooking wasn't one of his. So sometimes a couple of us would show up at his door with a dinner or something. But we, we had him come over for dinner. And part of, I think, his processing, his grief was like playing the piano. And he would go over and start to play Schindler's List. And I'd be in there in the kitchen just crying my eyes out because it's such a passionate uh, song. But in a way... It was comforting to me to see the level of grief that he was experiencing. I knew he loved her and he missed her. And, you know, when you think about the influence of women in his life, it's hard not to also think about Sister Wendy Watson Nelson, who he married after your mother's death. What have you observed from their relationship? Right after... Our mom passed away. That was the first time in my life that I'd ever seen him visibly sad or not the cheerful countenance that he usually had for that year plus after our mom's passing. And we had the privilege of having Wendy Watson as a neighbor before their marriage. And so after they were married, they lived in her home. For a little bit. And so I saw him the Sunday after they came back from their honeymoon and his countenance was back up. He was happy. The visible sadness was gone. Just like that. She's been a marvelous companion for him since day one, I believe. And so, well, his health and Strength is due in large part to her efforts and all the things that she does in ways to support him that we don't know the half of, I'm sure. We have a tradition on the Church News podcast that I'm going to carry into this general conference special. And that tradition is to end each episode with the same question, what do you know now? And so at the conclusion today, I'm going to ask each of you the same question. What do you know now that you've learned from your father, President Russell M. Nelson? 
It's kind of like coming home from your mission and they say, how was your mission? How do you sum up two years in a sentence? How do you sum up a lifetime of being taught? And But I would say I know that a key part of life is to learn and to grow and to love, love one another, love the Lord, and enjoy the blessings that come from him as we keep our covenants. I think I have probably learned from President Nelson the importance of my relationship with my Savior and how that can help with everything that we do that's full of joy or not full of joy in our life. And I think I have learned from my own personal experiences that God calls prophets to lead and guide us while we're on this earth, and that if we can be obedient and make and keep our covenants, we'll be able to live eternally as a family with Heavenly Father again. And I know that Daddy has been called to be the prophet in these times, and I've had many experiences over the last five years that confirmed that, and I am eternally grateful. Don't know what I did in the pre-life, but I'm grateful every day to be the daughter of Russell and Dancil Nelson. It's been wonderful to have, I mean, we have a firsthand experience and perspective in watching someone be prepared and be, well, I think the world at large has seen that he's been preserved, but to see the preparation that has happened and to hear from him about receiving instruction, receiving guidance, following that guidance is such a testimony to me about about the prophet and the Lord communicating with the church through the prophet and communicating with the world. But, you know, to witness his preparation and preservation and the ongoing revelation and guidance that he has given and to see him follow that, like he said, follow instruction has been a really remarkable thing to see and witness so close. And we, every one of us has such a strong testimony that he's here for such a time. And so is his wife. And my mother had an amazing role in that as well. But uh, yeah, we have strong testimonies and gratitude that the Lord has blessed us with prophets to have that guidance in our lives. The Church News, a living record of the Restoration, offers behind-the-scene coverage of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.